encountered one of my top three fears last week. Um, top three. Top three. Top three. One of my biggest fears in the entire world is being stuck in an elevator. I'm incredibly claustrophobic. I'm six foot six, and I just feel like the walls are like shrinking in on my entire body. Um, so I was coming back from the gym last week. This is actually the reason we didn't record last week. <laughs> I got stuck in an elevator on the day we were supposed to record. Um, but I got in there and I was just going from the first floor to the third floor of my apartment building and we got stuck and I immediately like started panicking. I was trying to find a pee corner. I was yeah, like, just trying, yeah, like yeah. I couldn't call. I was on FaceTime with my mom. And so my mom started hyperventilating. Like she was like, <laughs> I'm calling the police. I'm calling the police. I'm like, you don't know the police in my area. Like that's not, it's not going to help. Um, but I ended up getting stuck in an elevator for like 20 minutes Wow! and like the fire department came and they brought me out. Um, but I'm not going to lie. That's no longer one of my top three fears. Why not? What, what brought it down? I, like I played candy crush on my phone for 20 minutes and then some very nice people let me out of the elevator. Like it really wasn't like, I, I thought it was going to be terrifying. Um, but I did have like all of these different, I guess like plans for what happened if the elevator fell. Like if it just like, if it just <laughs> dropped, I was like, okay, I'll jump in the air. I'll suspend. And like, what? as the elevator hits, I'll like land and I won't die. What so floor had, were you on? I was suspended between two and three. <laughs> what is that? Like a 14 foot drop? <laughs> yeah. For, for you. <laughs> yeah. Bro- yeah. Broken leg, something. But I'm like, if I don't have to die, I would love not to die. Um, well, I, I am never going back in that elevator, though. That's that's just like I'm never, ever, ever going in that elevator. I do have two follow up questions. Well, OK, so first of all, you talked about Candy Crush. We need to start here. Do you pay the 99 cents to get the ad free version of Candy Crush? Because no, I need but, to know. No, but my mom does. OK, well, your mom is an educated and wise woman. She is. Two. She is. Two. Um. After coming out of the suspended elevator from 10 feet up between floors two and three, and you, you occupy six of those feet. (laughs) Do you feel like, do you feel like you need to go to counseling after having experienced such a traumatic moment in your life? No, I feel like I conquered all my fears. Um, I feel like that just like eliminated all of the need for counseling clearly. clearly. <laughs> well, thank goodness you no longer need counseling in <laughs> any area of your life because yeah. today that is exactly what we're going to be talking about. What is up guys? My name is Victor, student pastor at a local church in North Carolina. And my name is Reagan Jones, also a student pastor at a church in North Carolina and welcome to Sanctified Ish Conversations with Pastors Who Have Not Figured It Out. Um and y'all, we're talking about counseling today. We're talking about all the things in our head, our fears, our doubts, and we have a guest on the show today. Number one. Number one. Number one. Welcome. Um, It is our dear friend, Madison Collier. Um, She is a recent graduate of Southeastern Theological Seminary, Um, MDiv, right? And MA. Uh, MDiv and uh, Christian Ministry, MA and Biblical Counseling. Come on, come on! Very cool. Every Very degree cool. they offer at Southeastern, she has basically, earned. yeah, uh, working so, on it. <laughs> Madison got two degrees in the time that it's taken me to get half of one. 
Um, <laughs> so she is much smarter, much wiser than either Vic or I. Um, and that's why we decided to have her on the show. Um, so Madison, just go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what made you want to get into the field of counseling in the first place. Yeah. So thanks for the intro of me and my, I guess, qualifications so far. I'm Madison, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of funny. You say I'm wiser and smarter, but I was not smart enough to realize I shouldn't be a part of the intro. And I definitely interrupted Victor. So sorry about that. You know, you can interrupt um, Victor anytime. He's really fine. I'm used fine. to it. I'm used to it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so basically what I do, I work part-time at a local church in North Carolina. That's how I know these guys. I work in adult discipleship resourcing and equipping. Basically what we do is we come up with resources and teachings and all these other things to help disciples, uh, members be disciples who make disciples. That's kind of our official tagline. So that's what I do part-time. I'm also counseling uh, pro bono through the same church as a part of like fulfilling my hours as a part of my uh, degree I just finished up. You have to get a certain amount of hours of uh, counseling to be able to have that degree. So, you know, they don't just throw you out there with a piece of paper and expect you to figure it out. They at least supervise us now. They've upgraded their, their teaching, <laughs> making sure making sure we have some accountability before I, you know, yeah. turn some people into some heathens. So. <laughs> well what what she won't tell you is that madison has been basically counseling me for free just just being my friend over the last two to three years and all the ups and downs and psychoanalyzing every part of my mind which i greatly appreciate um you make it sound like so, i don't know how to have a friendship though <laughs> like I, all i do is psychoanalyze no, my it's, friend it's a, it's a great time Be, being a friend with you is like being like on top of the world we're partying and then it's like so how are you like really like how and i'm like i'm having a i'm having a great time now and then it turns into like a three-hour conversation about all the all the events of my life um yeah that sounds about right yeah, you Sounds know, right. a dual per- dual personality over here. It's fine. I might have my own <laughs> problems that I need to go work through after this. It's fine. Some self-realization it's okay. happening. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah, um, but that's basically it of me. Of Also, I wanted to say a quick thing of I am basically a greenhorn in the practical counseling of, like, having worked with people up somewhere in, like, the 140 range of hours of counseling people and you need a lot yeah. more to be considered licensed. So I want to say that I'm very new. Uh, that it's perfect for me to be on sanctified-ish because we are Come being on. sanctified still. Um, even though that will happen until the day I die, I definitely not arrived for the expert. Please refer to Brad Hambrick or someone else. Amen. <laughs> All for those. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we were talking before the show, and it's like, yeah, we don't really get experts on this show. Vic and I are not experts. Our guests are not experts. It's literally people who are just starting out who have no idea what they're talking about which makes you perfect for this show so we're we're very excited to have you for sure for sure well i think i think one of the easiest things to start out with and something that i genuinely am looking for answers to because i don't think i've been able to formulate something um around this is just the counseling kind of connotation that it has within the christian world i feel like Christian culture for so long has demonized or has looked down upon or has been not favor- favorable to uh, people who um, need to go into counseling. I feel like 
Christians oftentimes consider people who are in counseling as like a tier lower than the normal Christians. And Madison, I don't know if that's something that you've felt having been, you know, in the practice studying it, having done 140 hours of of counseling. Um, And so I was just curious to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Have you seen that within Christian culture in particular? What has that looked like for you? And how have you kind of dealt with that um, early on in your counseling career? Yeah, that's a great question and observation. So I would, it's a yes and no. Uh, and as many things that there is to counseling and working on yourself, it's a lot of gray area. And so that's the mm. same of this answer, that yes and no. Uh, yes, traditionally, I would say that Christian culture reacted strongly to counseling because they were kind of afraid of its connotations of where it originally came from, from psychology of this idea of like, it was secular. They had all these other thoughts that were not, that they didn't think was connected to the Bible. But uh, if you look at the history of biblical counseling, which is what I'm in, it is from a guy named Jay Adams. Uh, He has brought a way of doing it. What, what is through scripture of how there is clearly in the Bible that you are going to face like mental and emotional things and how you're supposed Mm. to lean into your community for that. And so there is clear scripture of like, cast your anxieties on him because he cares about you. You're going to be anxious. Uh, You're supposed to uh, lay down your life for your brothers and sisters to show your love for one another. You're supposed to bear one another's burdens. You are told not to fear. You're told to fear the Lord. You're told, uh, you know, when we talk about depression, there's clear psalms of people who walk through sorrow, lament, and what we classify all those things under depression. So mm. the yes of the problem of Christian culture reacting strongly is because of some of this like psychological ways of studying and like that came separate of the Bible, but there is clear instruction of we're going to deal with some hard stuff. And that sometimes means you need someone else to help you along the way to point you to not just get over it or pray through it, but to walk through it. And I think too, counseling today with biblical counseling, it's a framework of biblical intention. I'm not purely newsetic, which means Bible only. It just means that I see the value in general revelation of some of the other practices of counseling out there that could be redeemed into the biblical framework that I've stationed myself in. So yes, there's a problem, but no, in the sense that because there's been a mental health crisis, a lot of the younger generation is a a lot more open to counseling. I see a lot more people who are, I've seen a lot of college students. I've seen some in their twenties and early thirties. And there are some people in the other age brackets. I've seen some of the other counselors, but I just see a readiness to get in and get some help, especially from younger generations that don't have as much of that stigma to it. And also, you know, the older generations are coming around to it because they do see the problems that some of the pandemic had highlighted in our isolation and how there is room for this in our Christian walk. So long answer, yes and no, some of the history of it. If I ramble, please cut me off, you know, do the hit raise hand thing for like we do for our pastors who teach. So yeah. (laughs) No, that's, that's great. I love that you, like you mentioned that I think the pandemic is just kind of evidence of there was a mental health crisis. Um, I don't think the pandemic caused a mental health crisis. I think it revealed a mental health crisis. And I think those are two different things. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, I love you also touched on, I think like our younger generation, probably people 30 and under, I would Mm -hmm. say are a lot more open to counseling and this idea that you can be a Christian and you can cast your anxieties and your worries and your fears upon the Lord. 
and also go to counseling in a very healthy way. And those two things can coexist that so you're not undermining the authority of God in your life. I think my question for you is kind of where like, I think I've been stuck and I think a lot of other younger people have been stuck is that there's this gap between we know it's important and we're actually doing it. Um, mm. how, how do we bridge that gap? How do we get people to understand that it's not just something that's important that we should consider doing, but how do we actually help people take practical steps and going towards that direction? Yeah, so I was talking about this briefly before we started recording, but just as like, let's say, so my roommate's a physical therapist. Uh, if you see the Duke University, that's definitely my roommate, not me. So, <laughs> but the- We're gonna let you own it. The, yeah, no, I'm a UNC undergrad, so you cannot let me own Duke University. I will throw it away. <laughs> uh, but anyways, all that to say is that my roommate is a physical therapist. And so when it comes to when your body is in pain, you, even if it's small, if something just feels off, you go to the doctor. And like, if it's a physical pain, then you go see physical therapists, right? And they help you work on your muscles, give you exercises, work with you for a couple of weeks, maybe a year, depending on how, how serious the injury or mess up is to get, make sure that your muscles in your body are going from a disordered at way of it's not functioning how it should be to a way that's ordered. So counseling under the big umbrella of therapy is that for your mental, like your thoughts and your emotions. If something just feels slightly off, if there's these things that, you know, you just feel like you're functioning, you feel maybe a little bit different in the way that your friends process things. The importance of it is that it's not just important in the sense of like assigning value, but if the way we take care of our physical bodies, we need to take care of them mentally, emotionally. And yeah. therefore, if you feel that it's slightly disordered, counseling can help you point and ask good questions of processing and working together, building those skills and exercises to bring it back into order. Now, it won't be a once and all for fix, but in the, in the biblical sense too, it also points you to the framework of like all of life is spiritual. So it starts there, yeah. but does help you to give, help you to order some things that you feel a little bit out of order. Yeah, that that's, I think that's a really good classification for, um, kind of this like framework of the necessity or like why Christians should consider counseling. Um, and so I think that's a perfect kind of segue into that question. It's this episode is titled why every Christian should consider counseling. Mm -hmm. And you know, that, that title means that every Christian should consider counseling. Why do you feel like that's the case? Um, cause, cause I know tons of Christians who would say that, you know, I'm not depressed. My mental health is fine. I'm, I'm not dealing with a lot of these like things that it seems like yeah. the rest of the world is dealing with. And so therefore, based on that, I'm not going to consider counseling. So why should that person consider counseling? Yeah, I think that it's not just the question, it's of other people's problems are worse than mine, so therefore I don't need to do this. It's mm. not about other people when you're considering counseling, it's about yourself. And so mm. you shouldn't be comparing your problems to someone else. You shouldn't be comparing your sufferings to someone else. You should be comparing your own processing and functioning, not only just in your mental and emotional, but in your relationships. So That's if you're good. married, uh, premarital counseling, that's a thing, you know, or um, 
or just even like how your friendships are going. If you've realized that maybe you're having more fights with your friends than you think you are, or the, or you feel more distant and you don't know why there's this distance. The reality is that you're supposed to process for yourself to make a decision for yourself, not in comparison to others. Now there is room for community. We're big proponents of like, Hey, biggest thing we ask for in counseling is who is your support system so you do want those elements of community to give you support and to give you feedback but you need to you know your own health and your own suffering and your own struggles your struggles are not meant to be held up against someone else's i've said that several times but i'm going to repeat it your struggles it's not a comparison game so some of us will want to deflect ours and think they're not so bad just for the sake of like I don't want to be weak and other people need this more than I do. Or some people do have the kind of like, Oh, my struggles are top priority when in reality they, you know, it needs to be in the context of yourself. Yeah. I, I love everything you just said right there. Um, Cause I don't think that's ever actually made sense for me until you just said that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think you're a hundred percent right. Like I think there are people where it's like, well, my life either isn't as bad as it once was or I'm not as bad as the next person. Like I'm not dealing with like something as severe as what they're going through. So like if they're going through counseling and that's the bar for it, well then clearly that's not for me. What I love that you just said, like you can't compare your suffering. You can't compare your own issues with other different people. It's like, it's for you and what you need in that moment. Um, I love that. Do you think that there is like a time, like specific seasons for counseling? Um, so like if, if you go to counseling for, for six months, um, I know you, you would kind of like mention the analogy of like, kind of like a, a, a routine check-in, like you go to the doctor, you have a check-in once a year. Um, I guess that analogy wouldn't necessarily work for this, but is there a time and a place for more specific, more intentional counseling? And then maybe, maybe you kind of don't go back. Um, uh, maybe it's just for a season. Is, is there a scenario where that's appropriate or is it uh, a routine come back on a, like a more routine basis? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier about the doctor for the check-in, but I also mentioned earlier for the physical therapist where you go Mm -hmm. several times over the course of a couple months with the physical therapist to make sure your muscle, your body part, whatever is messed up, gets back into order. And they work on it, give you exercises, give you homework, you come back, you do that over, uh, depending on the frequency of visits or something, but you go to a lot of visits in a decent amount of time. And so for counseling, there is, that is what I function off of, of when I'm working mm-hmm. with clients is that people do come to see me for a season and I've had someone with me for seven sessions and they were in a better place and I was very comfortable like graduating them on. Uh, yeah. Does that mean they come see someone again? Graduating just means finishing, by the way, if I use any language, I'll try to clarify it, but graduate means we're both comfortable with your progress and you seem relatively healthy to function without me. Uh, you yeah. don't need me. You have the good systems in place. And so I had someone who did that in seven and I've had someone that I've seen 22 times that I'm probably going to continue to see for a little bit further. Now, yeah. neither of them, it's not, again, it's not comparing suffering. It's just a matter of what they came in for and the exercises and the things that they have been able to like master and such like that one was ready to leave and one of them she has opted to stay you know um and so yes there is a season of going regularly i see some people in the beginning once a week and we try to like taper off to like hey can you go a week without seeing me and so we do every other week and so yeah so it is kind of like a prescriptive of like 
you're trying to build the muscles. And so just as at the gym, you, when you learn a new exercise, it's really sore at first. And so you might have to do that new exercise once this week and then once next week, but in, with a trainer. And then once you master it, you don't need the trainer anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, I'm kind of like your trainer. Once you've kind of like gotten the tools to help mm. you in this current problem, then you can go and just do the exercises yourself. And that also means you've got the comfortability. If you ever face another problem or something resurfaces, like you can come back. So some people, I think it's worth like coming for a couple of sessions and they can be done quickly or prolonged. And at the same time too, it's, I, I'm hesitant to say like one and done for the rest of your life. Cause you just don't know what you're <laughs> going to face. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so. That's true. Yeah. And I think maybe this is a good segue into the next portion because I think at this point we've kind of covered, yeah, every Christian should consider counseling, whether they consider themselves to be in a really healthy place with their mental health, or maybe they're just like in a season of suffering and struggling. Um, when I type counseling into Google, I just type in local counselors, lots of stuff comes up, lots <laughs> of different practices, lots of different websites, and I don't know what to look for. <laughs> what, as a Christian, right? Yeah. What are the things that someone who is considering looking into getting a counselor needs to look for to say this is a qualified or this is this is a counselor that I can trust and and begin seeing within the biblical kind of like context? Because um, there's just a lot out there. Hmm. Yeah. So if you're looking for biblical specifically, you can always look to local churches. Uh, the church that I'm getting my hours through has a program that is the interns are doing it and you can get it for free and you just sign up through that church. And so it's a really great resource. So you can look to your church or some local churches that you trust and see if they have anything there in the counseling realm. Cause that is starting to grow. People are starting to have that there available. Mm-hmm. There is also for our specific context, if you're listening in the Raleigh, Durham, uh, North Carolina, Bridgehaven is a tried and true place yes. that I, Yes. know that you can trust and go to uh, I don't know what the wait lists are right then and I don't know what the pay rate is I know they kind of do by donation base but I also know that they have a recommended donation so and when it comes to kind of just searching it out there's a few things that you need to understand in the different types of counselors too so biblical counseling what I am I'm an MA and BC so that means I'm strictly just biblical counseling I'm not licensed by anything through the state you can See, if I were to join a practice, you can see my MABC next to me, like read through the fine print of like, what are the degrees that people have? Some people can get certificates and things. And so it can kind of tell you like, okay, so this certificate is like, you know, like some people have a certificate in like drug and alcohol counseling. And that can be through something much shorter in other ways. But basically, you need to look at what their what their degrees are, you know, click on a website look at what they're trained in. And then from there, you can follow that trail of like, do I like the place that they were trained? Do I like the, what they're saying? There's also this element of like, you can join organizations uh, just as like, you know, there's denominations, there's hmm. levels of counseling. Like you can join groups. I don't, I'm not a part of one. I don't think the church that I, our counseling interns are officially part of one, but basically there's groups that can, that have like little initials of like what you can be as a counseling organization. And 
you can ascribe yourself as a personal counselor to those like organizations. Um, and they have code of ethics that you can look at. So if someone says mm-hmm. that I'm a part of the, uh, what's a good example, a American Association of Counseling. So that's not uh, American Association of Christian Counseling, AACC, I think is what it's currently called. Also, they change all the time. But <laughs> if you look at that, uh, yeah, so, or it, so you can look at their code of ethics. You'd be like, oh, okay, I agree with these code of ethics. Just look for what they're, in their info about themselves, like what is where they got their degrees if it tells and what organizations they align themselves with and just go look at the code of ethics at those areas. I think that helps. Um, and also too, outside of biblical counseling, there's other areas that you can look into. So if you're mm-hmm. someone who has started to realize that some of your mental and emotional stuff might be bodily affected, then you would need to see a psychiatrist. Uh, you can get recommendations from your Christian counselors. Usually they have recommendations on hand of someone who could know a Christian psychiatrist uh, like that, if that's what you specifically want to look to. But there are different types of counselors as well. And that just speaks to their training and what they're able to do. So I'm not able to prescribe medicine. So if we arrive yeah. at a point that you have some bodily influence of like something about your body is broken because this world is broken. And there's just like this chemical aspect that is affecting your mental emotional then you would need to go see a psychiatrist and then you could get recommended christian psychiatrist through again your trusted biblical counselor that you do find um there's a couple of other ones like i said so if you have gone through drug and alcohol addiction you could definitely come see us but if you want someone a little more specified in that you can look through that there's also people who Licensed Marriage and Family Therapy, that's the program that I could have been licensed in. We actually run along the same degree track, and you can look and see their LMFT. They're pretty strong, and there is Sharon Shepard, who works specifically with trauma. Uh, I would also recommend her if you have any trauma listening to this. She's great. She has taught at our classes before, and so just looking again to what are their licenses, what are they connected to, those three little letters usually mean an organization that you just need to look up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you just said there. Cause I think we've talked about, I don't think we really have to destigmatize counseling, especially for a younger generation. I think it's already destigmatized, but I think what mm-hmm. I heard from older generations was that you only go to counseling when you do have a chemical imbalance. Um, you only go to counseling when you do have an addiction. And I think that's where kind of the older generation and younger generation differs. Um, mm-hmm. or like you just mentioned right there, if you have a chemical imbalance, like now you're getting prescribed medicine, that's different than what we're talking about. Like if you do are struggling mm-hmm. with addiction, there are specific lanes that you can go to that are like designated for that. So when mm-hmm. we're talking about like counseling, this is kind of like the low hanging fruit that's available for whether you're struggling with mental health right now, or even if you feel like you're walking in a really good season, like it's always good to like to work on it. in the same way we go to the gym all the time. We work on our physical body, we work on our mental health the same way. Um, help someone understand what goes on in a counseling session. Um, so like, I know we've had like a hundred unorthodox, just random ones at Chipotle. <laughs> like how, what, what does a formal counseling process look like? What are the questions that I should be prepared for? Um, and is it, is it scary? Like, how do I share all of this stuff with a random person that I don't even know? Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. It probably is a little bit scary if you've, a, never done it before, but B, if you're generally not a vulnerable person. So if you if you don't find yourself sharing with other people in general to go and do it with someone 
even for the first time in that area, yes, it can be a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah. But a lot of what happens in counseling is there is an intake form. So even before you see me, the first thing you do is you fill out an intake form. And generally, I would hope most intake forms would have this. I can't speak to the, all of them because I haven't seen all of them. But intake forms will have uh, some background information about you, things that you've faced over your life uh, and things like that. And you can also cite why I'm coming in, you know, things that are currently bothering you. Ours has a really intensive one. It talks about like physical problems too. If you start to see physical manifestations, like we ask about headaches, stomach aches, yeah. lack of sleep, that sort of thing. So it's an it's full encompassing form. And so I think you can take comfort in that even before you go see this person, you're submitting an intake form to one confidentiality is key. Only them mm -hmm. are seeing. Okay. That is like confidentiality is key. Only the counselor is seeing who's like picking up the form. Okay. And so, so when they see that the person and that trust is going to be built in to the fear again, of building trust is that you need to understand that counselors like have codes of ethics. And I had to go through an ethical class of just like, how careful we have to be about your information. I can refer to my clients as a general basis over here, but I can't name them. I can't give you descriptors. I'm not good. I can't break yeah. confidentiality. There's no case study I can give you because that's actually real because I can't yeah. speak about my clients due to confidentiality. So two, so one, you're submitting information to the person before you even get there. So that can help start like the opening up process Two, You can trust them because they're under a code of ethics. Generally, you should hopefully have an amount of trust if someone is trying to be there for help and to help you. But if you're just a person who has trouble with trust in, in the initial stages, this person literally has a code of ethics that if they violate it, they, they could get into a yeah. big amount of trouble if they start talking about what you're coming to share. So this is like a cone of silence. Uh, I don't cone of silence moment where no one else is getting in, no one else is going out until the session's over. And so there's that amount of comfort you can take in not being afraid and mm -hmm. three is that that person is there for you the counselor is not going to push their agenda on you and so therefore when you're coming in and starting to open up and share it's not like they're there to take your information and make you do something with it it's there to they're yeah. there to help you process and help you figure out what's going on in your life because at the end of the day that counselor is not you you are you so i can't be perfectly yeah. in your head i can't be perfectly in your emotions so therefore you can realize like this environment is for me. And so it really is about as you start to open up and share how you can take comfort in those three things. And just, again, looking to build trust because ultimately that counselor is hoping to build trust with you too. So just looking yeah, to the yeah. elements of trust outside of your sharing that you can just pick up on and help you feel more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think, you know, what you just explained is what should happen and is obviously like the ideal counselor to counselee relationship. Um, but just like in the church, like I could sit here and explain ideals of how the church should operate. And that's yeah. just unfortunately not the case every time. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who has done counseling before and just had an unfortunate experience where mm. maybe some of 
that code of ethics were broken. Maybe that confidentiality was broken. Maybe something happened that pushes that person not just away from counseling, but maybe even away from like the church in general. What would you say to that person to just, man, yeah, help them process through some of those things um, and assure them that that's not the norm? Well, first I'd say, I'm sorry. Uh, It's not lost on me that you've been, you went to somewhere for help and you got more wounds, you know, I not lost on me again, like I said, and I just want to say, I'm sorry that you had a bad experience. I, I, there's so many things that I could theorize and imagine of what you experienced because I have seen where good counselors have not been good, you know, because they're mm-hmm. human and they, the situations that are created are bad and so I think that what I would say to them is that just as we see brokenness in other areas of the world, so I gave this example for like our country as a, like a, a broad sense of like America has done some really bad things and sometimes still has some mm-hmm. systems of bad things. But I continue to be an American citizen and yes, I lose hope and sometimes think about what if I just left, you know, but Mm. this is the place that I've chosen to root myself. And so therefore I look for the avenues of where I can exact change. And so if you're someone who has been hurt by a counselor and that's made you hesitant toward counseling or hesitant towards the church, I think it comes back to, okay, like what is my life rooted in? Is it rooted in, those people are those frameworks or is it rooted in God and my relationship with him and start there and then looking for the ways that you can exact change in yourself and in your surroundings. I'm not asking you to submit again to abusers because if someone has abused you, get, get away, (laughs) get away. Do not submit yourself to abusers. I'm not signing up for that. I'm not signing up for that narrative, but if someone is, uh, oppressing you in some way I would say take a step back and just really assess that but also look for the other places that are looking to help it's hard because there's a level of trust broken of how you don't want to let other people in after you've been hurt but there's also again if you're looking to your faith and what God is calling you to and the ways that he's shaping and forming you. One of my favorite quotes that um, John Mark Comer said in a talk was that when we are wounded, we're not looking just to like eliminate our wounds. We're looking to Mm. see them transformed and used for God's glory of like, how are they, how are your wounds being transformed versus eliminated? Because at the end of the day, really big wounds leave scars. And, uh, so I think it's more of how can my wound be transformed instead of allowing it to, again, someone else's sin has called you to suffer. So I'm so sorry. Don't want to devalue that, but I do want to see how we can help your wound be healed and transformed and be a part of the bigger narrative of your life and not just this one moment. And so therefore it will take the hard unfair process of having to relearn trust and look to other areas. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you'll be thankful that you did because God does design us for community. God does design us to be um, leaning in and being uh, open to one another. But also people are, are 
sucky and human and sinful and will sin against you. And that's good. It's yeah. promised that you will face tribulation, but take heart for he has overcome the world. Um, and that doesn't mean that those words will fix it in a moment. It will be a long process of healing. I'm not trying to say that your problems will be healed in a moment, but that's why I'm here is that I'm here to help you heal and process and bring this disorder back into order. And I'm signing up to do it for a long time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, last question here. Cause I think before we end things, um, we've covered a lot of, of the why of the theoretical of all these things. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons, uh, people don't come to counseling is simply just, they think it's going to cost too much money. Um, what do mm -hmm. I do if I can't afford counseling? Where do I go? What do, uh, how, how do I take these next steps? Yeah. So there are churches that honestly have it for free. Uh, they're, not necessarily like a pastor who is just trying to be your pastor. There will be like counseling interns. So there's a counseling ministry at a local church in our context, in RDU, that you can sign up for depending on how many people are involved or how many counselors are available. There might be a wait list, but it's completely free. Counseling interns need to get their hours, and often they're in programs that allow you to get it for free. There's also, again, I mentioned Bridgehaven for the Raleigh-Durham area that is by donation base there is and two if you decide to go even if you don't go to biblical counseling and you do go the secular route and you find someone that you like they will i can be encouraged because there is some training today that is being sensitive to people in their faith and in their context so again they're not trying mm -hmm. to push their agenda they're sensitive to your faith and so there are certain counseling agencies that do take insurance and so you would do yeah. a copay that sort of thing um, for people who have jobs, there are certain companies that give you stipends that are, as mental health is becoming more aware, you can get money towards a couple of sessions. And so there's just a lot of resources that if we stop at the problem and maybe don't look at workarounds of, I only think there's one route of how to fix this and I don't have mm -hmm. the money to do it, then we're cutting ourselves short of one of what God is inviting us into and what he can do. Uh, and two, yeah. just sometimes I think we, we can use it as an excuse if there's a financial point, uh, of the contingent. Cause there is, I think the biggest problem is not necessarily finding a place that you, maybe you could get it for free, just with a little less experience or things like that. You, the biggest problem you're going to run into is wait list. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people, there's mm -hmm. a lot of need. And, and so we want you, but we want you there and we will get you on the calendar. It just might yeah. not be next week. It might be next month. So, yeah. 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 Well, I think that was a really good question to kind of round out our time. I just to add on Madison to what you were saying, I think counseling just in general is becoming a little bit more accessible as yeah. the mental health awareness across our generation is thankfully becoming, we're becoming more aware of the need for it. And so like, I even know like my wife works in a secular context and her work provides her with a certain amount of sessions that she can take per year. And so there, all of that to say is that money, yes, it can be a barrier, but hopefully as it becomes more accessible, just do some research and you should be able to find mm -hmm. um, some spaces that are relatively have a low bar of entry. So Madison, thank you so much for you, spending you, some you. time with us this afternoon. Um, 
I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, this was incredibly informative. Am... I'm just sitting here. I'm taking this in. <laughs> I'm sitting here and am th- super thankful that we have Christian counselors that are going to seminary, being trained, and coming into this world with yeah. a perspective that is biblical mm-hmm. and provide a space for Christians and non-Christians to come and to deal with their mental health in a healthy and, and biblical way. And so your work and your studying is not undervalued and we, we really appreciate it. Your work is so incredibly important for our church. And so thank you guys, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening um, and joining us here on Sanctified-ish. If you have any questions, maybe you want to ask a question. Maybe you have a question for Madison. Maybe you are just interested in having an episode done with your topic. Send us an email, sanctified-ish at gmail.com. We love reading your emails. We've gotten a few. We've done episodes on a few of your emails. And so we we definitely want to hear from you. If you are on TikTok, which hopefully the the target demographic the, for the our Gen podcast Zers. should be on, pin, <laughs> on TikTok, if you're not, there's an issue. Uh, we are also on TikTok. Ow, <laughs> so, yeah, there that's are, very harsh. Hey, Facebook Reels are where it's at. Okay? It's a millennial. It's <laughs> a millennial <laughs> Madison coming out there. No, it's just Find more of us. what if they what if they want life balance, man? They can be off social media if they want. <sighs> Here comes the counselor. Is, maybe is maybe we're just Facebook? really unhealthy. <laughs> hey, no, life balance was not. I'm saying more so you don't have to have TikTok or Facebook, especially if you can't fall asleep because you find yourself sitting on it at night until two in the morning. Well, if you, you can are listen really to that unhealthy in the person, yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if, if you're a really unhealthy person and have TikTok, you can follow us there. We have a TikTok sanctified ish. Check us out. We post oh, clips. God. And you can you can check us out there. Um, before we close, I have a fun fact about myself. When I was 18 years old, single, very single, I attended a class that was nine hours long, and I got a certification as a certified Christian marriage counselor um, <laughs> that I still have today. And does it mean anything? Absolutely not. Would this I put anyone so through that? Absolutely not. But in my youth as an 18 year old single dude who had no idea what he was doing and could barely grow a mustache. Mm -hmm. I was a certified marriage counselor and I put that certification on my wall in my dorm room and I let that (laughs) sit there and I would stare at it and I say, I'm the man. So, Oh my God. Don't don't ask me for counseling. No, absolutely not. Nor nor should ever put someone. Yeah. I would never put someone through that. Um, That would be terrible. But Guys, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Thank you for all of the love and support. And we will see you guys next week. Until next time, take care and God bless. That explains so much about our relationship. Yeah, we need a counselor on every episode. We really do.